0: And welcome to the Angelico Project's Beauty in Action series. I'm Lorraine Muldoon, a co founder and executive team member of the Angelico Project. The Angelico Project is a lay Catholic initiative of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. The mission of the Angelico Project is to evangelize souls and to transform the culture by promoting the good, the true, and the beautiful arts, thought, and culture. With me today are Marty Arlinghouse, Director of Prison Ministry for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and founder of the Serenelli Project, and Eric Genis, master pianist, composer, and world-renowned performer and founder of Concerts for Hope. Eric and Marty, we've shared lots of conversations and stories about the impact of prison ministry and the transformation of souls. And uh, Eric, I know you had a story you want to start us with,
1: um, would you lead us in prayer as we begin? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. First of all, this is uh, really excited to be here. We'll, we'll talk more right after the prayer. Um, I'm Catholic, so I always start with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, may everything that is done and said um, be an honor and a glory to you today. We pray for all those souls who die today that have nobody to pray for them. We pray for those in our families who are away from you. We pray for all those. We pray for our own conversion, and we also pray for the conversion just of, of people who are really hurting right now. We pray for all those people who are completely forgotten, the people that Marty worked with in the prison, and all those prisoners that I have performed for young and old, men and women. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Just very, very quickly, I'm really excited about, about, this, um, about the three of us working together. But I really love the title. Here's why. Action is absolutely necessary now. And it's not that, oh, we should all go out and do something. No, you have to sit back. You have to be quiet. You have to prayerfully consider what are your strengths, what are your talents, where can you be effective? But the time to sit back with our hands in our pockets and say, boy, I hope somebody does something is over. The, the only way to bring a society to something of hope and goodness is to change one heart at a time. And how do you do that? I'm a firm believer in this topic. The first thing we must do is bring beauty. Why beauty? Because beauty uplifts. It brings hope. Beauty brings encouragement. Now, what I'm speaking is theoretical. And that's why, you know, people say, yeah, yeah, beauty's important. Okay. And, and there's no frame of reference. And so I want to share this story about how beauty fully impacts. So here's a story. Playing for a bunch of youth. These are 15-year-olds that were tried and convicted as adults. They're going away for 30-plus years. 15 years old, going away for double- their lifetime 30 years they've all done very tough things they've lived very tough lives so these are kids that have never these are beautiful talented smart children that grew up without guidance that grew up without mentorship and so we played now this boy at the beginning of the concert was you know sitting at the front slouched over showed no interest in being there So I went beside him, and I slouched right beside him. I pulled up a chair right beside his, and I slouched just like him. And I said, pal, I'm going up at the front. I said, in two minutes, if I don't have your attention, I'll pack up my instruments and leave. These people play with any world-class musician you can ever imagine. And they're here for you. You're 10 feet away. People pay thousands to be this close to musicians like I bring here. I said, but you don't want to hear them, I'll leave. I want you sitting up. You know what, he stayed slouching and that was good. I got up there and I started playing. Within two minutes the boy was sitting up and he was firing questions away. How does that violinist play so fast? You know, tell me about the violin, tell me about the cello, through the whole concert. I couldn't go one piece to another without this boy asking questions. When I play in prisons, I'm up and down the aisle. I'm not like on a stage away from them. I'm with them. I'm slapping them on the back. I'm cracking jokes. Most of them aren't funny, as Marty can attest to that, but that's okay. We have a lot of fun. So walking up and down the aisle, and this boy is firing off questions, and at the end of the show, he stands up and he says that beautiful that violin he puts his hand over his heart now picture this i have 300 kids in this room 300 kids who have done very serious things 300 kids who don't know a violin from a hockey stick and that's not their fault so he stands up and he says that violin is the most beautiful thing i've ever heard throws his head back and says why have i never heard this before okay so We should examine that. Why has this boy never heard this before? He's gone to school in America. Why has he never heard this before? That's a poverty. It's not an economic poverty, but it is a societal and a sociological and absolutely a psychological poverty that this boy has never been given the opportunity to be inspired by something that he feels is so beautiful that would have uplifted his humanity and would have given him a different vision of himself given a different vision of his community and of his environment and would have given him hope because beauty stirs on a level that is beyond comprehension. It's beyond, you can't talk somebody into hope, but you can give them an experience of their humanity, which uplifts them. That's what beauty does. So I'll get back to that story in a minute. So what are some of the comments I get in prison? It's this. One man stands up, throws up his arms, and yells out, I forgot what Hope felt like. I forgot what Hope felt like. I'm playing the violin and the cello. Mind you, it is a very intense concert. But we're playing the violin and cello, and this man has no idea what he's hearing. And, for, and somehow, this music goes in, touches him, and throw, and just elevates his humanity, and he says, I forgot what hope felt like. That's a very strong word, hope. He didn't say, oh, this is really entertaining. He didn't say that. He said, I forgot what hope felt like. Another man said, I was convicted at 15 years old. Yes, when they're often in gangs, a lot of these young people have the vision that if they, um, if they commit a crime, they're going, to be, they're going to go to the big boy prison and they're going to be treated like a king because they killed a guy in an opposing gang. That is such a, a horrible um, sort of misrepresentation. But this is what they're sort of encouraged to believe. So they commit their crime and then they get 60 years of imprisonment at 15, 16, 17. It's a disaster. This boy, 15 years old, says I was convicted as a double Sorry, for double murder 20 years ago. So now he's 35. And this is in Donovan Prison in California. And he says, I died that day. And he says, today. And I didn't even invite questions yet in this concert. He stood up and he said, I feel alive for the first time. Okay, why such strong reactions? It's got nothing to do with me. Maybe beauty touches them in a way and elevates through humanity in a way that they've never been invited to see life before so beauty is such a secret weapon it is so important yet in all of our sophistication and civilization and we would we would say that we're advanced and all this language we use to to sort of compliment ourselves on how sort of advanced and how forward-thinking we are we fail to recognize the importance of our humanity and the sacredness of every human life and the importance of the dignity of every human soul, of that which animates us, of that which, which makes us fully human is fed by things such as beauty. So when you go in and you deliver that, they're moved and they're uplifted. So it has a very practical relevance to our human conditions. So back to the 17-year-old boy, So he says, why have I never heard this? This boy in the day of internet, why has he never heard this? That's my fault. And that's the fault of all of us. Why this poor boy at 15 has never been invited to to, to have an experience of something that elevates him. He's never encountered beauty. Instead, with the internet, he can encounter anything we expose him to. And as a child, it's up to us as the adults to expose him and to fill him and to, as they would say, inebriate his humanity with something like beauty, to elevate so that he grows up like a child and has this awe and wonder for life and what he can create and his abilities and his, um, uh, you know, create, creativity, but his you know, what am, how am I going to develop my gifts and my talents? Those are things he should be asking, but that was squashed in him at a young age. So what is the answer? You can put committees on this till the cows come home, and we have. And you know what their effectiveness has been? Nothing. So it's time that we recognize what touches our deeper humanity. It's beauty. Beauty is the answer. You know, we're
0: talking about eternal work when we talk about this, like the soul. Is made for eternity and beauty is a piece of eternity. So when we um when we share beauty to a soul that is lost and in despair, it touches something very deep within them because they were created in God's image and they they were created for that beauty. And so it's almost like it's almost like, in a sense, touching eternity in a way for them. Like they may not see the light of day again, they may not. Um, hug their grandchildren, or or have children, or you know many things that they would have dreamed of having, um, and yet to raise their souls up that they can recognize even a greater purpose. And I, you know, I have we fostered our youngest son, and our initial our initial hope, our, our baseline hope in that experience was. If we can at least expose him to love, that if, if, at the minimum, he can see and experience what does love actually look like? What does love feel like? We didn't know what the rest of his life would be like. We didn't know how desperate things would be. But we thought, well, then, you know, in the end, when he fe- faces love again, when he sees love face to face, our greatest hope was that he would not reject that. And I feel like this is almost like a mirror of that. When you bring this into the prisons, when you bring in beauty, you touch a soul in a place that is going to be a reflection later also of, um, they'll recognize that when they see that in the end, even if the rest of their life is still um, in a place that does not provide them with beauty. Marty, do you want to share a little bit about the, your work in prison ministries and what you've seen with? In relation to art and beauty, and you've seen transformation in offering classes on um, Catholicism, and you've seen people coming into the church.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the in the prisons, we we do a lot of that. We the main thing we do obviously is is mass and the sacraments and RCIA. Um, but every now and then we get the chance to to do something like have Eric Jenis come in and perform his concert. I was introduced to him last summer by one of my volunteers. And then I talked to Eric. I was like, "All right, I got to get this guy in here," and uh, it was it was a pretty big battle. Um, not because the inmates were resistant; they were all excited for it. It was more the administration just saw it as a lot of work. But when we got him in there, it was like, "Wow, this was all worth it!" Because we go in and we we offer classes uh, every week, every, you know, several days a week at some of these institutions, and you see some transformations because of it. But when Eric played, you see a whole room full of guys that were moved in a way that I could speak for a thousand years in that prison, to those same guys, and they would never make the same connection. And I would never be able to move them in that way, um, no matter how much I taught them. And it's, uh, it kind of strikes me as, as we're, we're missing something in our society. In, even in the church, uh, in, in the modern day church, when we turn everything into an intellectual class all the time, um, I talk to a lot of people who have they've experienced so much trauma uh, in their life, and then they're told, you need to be grateful to God. And they're like, for what? Uh, and I think, well, then I need to give them that experience that would make them realize the goodness of God. To experience it for real so that they can be grateful and um we're, we're trying to do more uh especially with the angelico project once the prisons open back up to to create those experiences where we're going to bring in whatever programs angelico has into the prisons um so that we can create a real almost like a little mini church or a little mini monastery within the prisons uh so that People living in there can live with hope, whether they're going to get out one day or not. That um, it turns into a holy life for them, and it turns into something that has meaning, and um, and and in a very mystical way is is effective for the whole church. Um, and uh, I don't know if that answers the question, but uh, you know, I we do see a lot of transformations. You see people come alive, and it's truly amazing to see someone go from not having known God at all, thinking that, you know, God is just there to judge them just like the judge did, just like the prison guards are doing um, to this real experience of the forgiveness of God and the transforming effects of that grace um, that makes them a new person. It really does. And, but then that new person comes to me when they're going to be coming out and they say, Marty, where do I go? Where do I find a Catholic church so that I can stay in the faith? And I basically have to do a little research, and I tell them, "Well, here's these three parishes somewhere in the area where you're going." And in my mind, I say, "Well, good luck." Uh, there's there's a big gap between someone coming out of prison and making it into a your average Catholic parish, and even if that person does make it to the point of sitting in that pew, people have no idea how to welcome them. Um, even the the most warm hearted person will approach that person and then realize, wow, they have a lot of needs and I can't handle that. And no one really can. And they, they get sent down the road to another ministry that can handle those needs. And none of them are Catholic. And so it, that, that's not a problem in itself. Those ministries are great. Those, you know, the, the people running City Gospel Mission are, are faithful, wonderful Christians but what it tells the Catholic coming out of prison is you're not good enough for your own church. Uh, you have to be perfect before you can come to the Catholic church, which is completely the opposite of what the Catholic church should be. We're um, that, that uh, field hospital for sinners. And so that's, that's been actually the inspiration for the Serenelli project. I, I know Eric kind of introduced it earlier, um, but the, you know, the, the original inspiration came from a guy Uh, at Lebanon Correctional. I'll get back to him in a second. Um, But the reason it's named Serenelli Project, if people don't know who Serenelli is, um, Alessandro Serenelli is the man who murdered St. Maria Goretti uh, after having tried to rape her. First, he tried to seduce her. She wouldn't give in, so he tried to rape her. She still resisted, and then he stabbed her 14 times with a metal file. She died the next day, but not before having forgiven him on her deathbed. He was arrested. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Um, if he was tried as an adult, he would have been sentenced to life. But he was still a minor, so he was um, he was tried as a minor. So he got 30 years. His first six years, he was the worst of the prisoners. He was violent. He was uh, aggressive. He was always in the hole. And uh, and he even at his trial, he blamed Maria for her own death. He, he said, oh, she brought it on herself. She asked for it, and then she forced my hand, and it's her fault. But then six years into it, he was most likely in the hole. Um, the hole is solitary confinement. Um, and uh, he, he had a dream where he had a vision of St. Maria. Uh, she was in a garden picking flowers, and she came over to him, and she handed him 14 white lilies, one for each one of the stab wounds that he gave her. And so he mystically experienced her forgiveness that she already gave six years prior on her deathbed. And that transformed him. He became the model prison inmate. After that, he, he started praying, he was inviting other people in the, into the faith. He, he never caused any more problems with, with the, the staff or anything. And he, he was actually released three years early. So he served 27 years um, for good behavior. And then when he got out, uh, a few years after getting out, he, he went to Maria's mother, who was still alive, and he begged her on his knees for her forgiveness. And she said, well, if my daughter could forgive him, so can I. And so she forgave him, and then she adopted him as her own son. And so he became part of the, the Guretti family after that. And then shortly after that, he, he was able to enter a Franciscan monastery where he served as a lay brother for the rest of his days. He lived to be in his 80s. I think he was 88 or so when he died. Uh, he died in 1970. So he's a very recent, uh, a recent story. And um, he wrote, Maria's forgiveness saved me. Uh, that, that's one of the most famous quotes. Maria's forgiveness saved me. And it's inspired by his life, but then also this other guy that, that we're coming back to now. This is a guy that when I first saw him, He honestly, he scared me. Most guys in prison don't scare me. Uh, I've seen them all. But this guy, when he came in, I'll I'll admit, I was a little like, "Uh oh, you know, he is covered in tattoos, all like a full hood of tattoos coming down into like, it looks like scorpion pincers around his face, uh, around his lips. And I I thought, oh, gosh, this must be Aryan Brotherhood. You know, what's, you know, what's he plotting? What's he going to do? Um, turns out to be the nicest guy in our group, the, the most helpful with, with anything. He's always, um, volunteering himself to help with something. And he was an RCIA. And as the seminarians were teaching RCIA, he just turns to me, he goes, Marty, could a guy like me become a priest? And I was like, huh, God is moving this guy's heart to think about becoming a priest. That's, that's amazing. And so I thought, well, are you married? No. Have you been married? No. Do you have kids? No. He's like, I'm single. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Why not become a priest? I want to serve the church in some way. And so then it, it, after doing a little research, it comes down to, well, what's the crime? Um, that's at least theoretically um, what, what the seminary has to consider. But also practically speaking, knowing what these guys face when they get out of prison there's little chance that he'll even make it into a Catholic parish, let alone get into a seminary, make it through formation, get ordained, and then be trusted to go to a parish and serve a parish. Um, that tattoos might be enough to scare enough people away, um, let alone whatever kind of crime he, he committed in his past. It's just that hard for people to forgive and and to forget and to give him another chance. But I thought, well, what if there's a community that knew how to accept him? and knew how to give this guy the formation and the chance to serve the church and even become a religious and even become a priest. And so that was really the, the original idea for the Serenelli project was let's create a re-entry monastery for guys coming out of prison to re-enter and give them the chance to even uh, discern the call to serve the church and the community, the community to do it in and the apostolate of serving those who were coming out of prison serving those who are in prison. So that the same guy who was once wearing the, the dark blue pants with the light blue t-shirt in the prison gets to go back in there dressed in a religious habit instead and offer the mask for the, the guys that, that are you know, coming behind him. Um, so that's what we're trying to set up. And we're actually just yesterday, I, I mailed all of our documents of incorporation to our attorney so that we can file with the state as a uh, as an organization and then with the IRS as a nonprofit. So we're making progress. And um, my hope as long as nothing stands, you know, nothing big stands in our way and we just are able to keep doing our work is that maybe by March or so next year we should be able to receive our first resident.
0: I would love to talk a little bit about just um creativity too. Like I feel like I've heard you talk about that, Marty, in um like we were made similar in that it's eternal. Like we were made in the image of God and in his image and likeness, we are made to be creative. And many of us have kind of maybe turned that off in our lives, just being numbed by everything in, you know, media and society. And we rush and isolate and we, you know, we spend all our time um, maybe trying to achieve something, but that deeper place of, you know, it's kind of monastic in a way, like creativity. We're created to be creative. And you've seen some of that um, impact of some of that in the prisons. And I think that's part of a vision for the Serenelli project, also. Um, but, and that gives purpose, also.
2: I know I showed this to you, Lorraine. Yeah. This was, this was made for me by one of the inmates at Warren Correctional uh, as a, just a little thank you gift. He did it with a pen on a t shirt. And he had a little red ink too, I think for the for the blood, but um, it was just move amazing. it a little to
0: the center, Marty.
2: Sure. There you go. But so he's Hispanic, it's Jesu Cristo. Um, but he's he's incredible, he does all sorts of shirts like that. Um, there is an, an incredible amount of creativity uh among our, our prison population. And um if we could only direct that towards beauty and towards goodness, then they would become some of the most amazing people in our society. Um, and for some of them, we're simply not giving them that opportunity. Others need a, a perversion of heart. Um, but even with some of the, the manipul- manipulative and cleverness of some of the guys, it's like, if only we could turn that towards the good, you would be one of the most creative people in the world. And probably one of the most amazing artists that the world has ever seen. And let's let's create that that opportunity for you to to have that conversion. And then the community where you can exercise that creativity.
1: There was a man in prison that once wrote me a letter. Actually, here's what's fun. He drew me a picture that I keep right by my desk. I don't know if you can see this, but it's of me playing the piano. This is all ink. (laughs) So... And he wrote, he said, you know, I'm responsible for a lot of crimes. He said, "I'm, you know, I've hurt a lot of people. He said, I've had a higher encounter with my own humanity today after the concert. He said, I will never hurt another person again. Now, that's grace, right? That is absolute grace. So, you know, I'm very, very grateful to do this work. And I'm very, very grateful, you know, when I hear about the, the work Marty's doing and the Angelical Project's doing. Um, it's really humbling for me to be here and to discuss my work, you know, with the possible, you know, concept of bringing change in people's lives.
0: So, you know, one of the um, key components of the Angelico Project and kind of bringing the vision about is that you just kind of can reflect and you can see that we live in a time that people are, they're kind of opposed to the traditional presentation of the gospel. Um, But Their, you know, their hearts are not closed to the good, the true, and the beautiful. It kind of like transcends because we were created for that. Um, And it, and that's kind of what we talked about today. It touches hearts. It breaks down barriers. It opens, it opens an avenue for grace and mercy. Um, It's such a gift to have met you too and to hear these amazing stories. And it's moving and so inspiring to know that. Um, what you're offering in the prisons and in inner city schools is, is in existence, that it's transforming souls, that it's bringing hope. And, and not just hope, it's like it doesn't leave, it stays with them. Once we, have, once we have hope, once we have experienced mercy, though they may not hear you play every week or they may not be able to go to one of Marty's classes, within them, they have been changed. And, and that they get to keep, and um, it continues to bear fruit. Um, we just would like to invite our, our viewers to um, go to our website to learn more about the Angelico Project at angelicoproject.org. And Eric's website is concertsforhope.net. Marty um, will be having a website in the future for the Serenelli Project. The Angelico Project has a season of events coming up. We just ask you to take a look at those and join us um we also our ministry is supported through donations so we ask that you might share this um website with others join our email list and consider making a donation marty do you want to wrap us up with a prayer
2: absolutely in the name of the father and the son and holy spirit amen most loving and affectionate father you are beauty itself and you gave us your word your only begotten son who brought that beauty down to our human level so that we might be able to experience it here on earth. We ask that you fill us with hope that is enkindled by the experience of beauty, even here and now, so that we have a foretaste and have a reason to hope for what we will have in heaven with you. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us, upon the Angelico Project, on Concerts for Hope, and upon the Serenelli Project, and upon all those who will come into contact with the beauty that we bring into the world, make us your instruments of your grace and of your peace so that all those who we affect might be brought into an experience with our Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ, that they will be transformed by his grace and his beauty and that they may be brought to salvation and to eternal glory with you and the Holy Spirit and our Lord Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.